0: Is News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. This is not Green Onions, and this is not Walter Hudson. This is Brad Omland and Max Reimer, producer Stan Poggle, filling in for Walter tonight here on Closing Argument. Heard 9 to 11 weeknights right here. The number to dial tonight if you would like to chime in is 651-989-5855. Well, I'll tell you what, Max, it was kind of a slow news weekend, which was good for Labor Day. You know, <laughs> yes, the, so slow. It seems like either Trump or the NFL have ruined the last uh, few holiday weekends. I don't know, depending on your views, the NFL may have ruined your uh, holiday weekend with the uh, Colin Kaepernick ad, but we might be getting too controversial too soon.
1: But, you know, slow news weekend at the speed of Trump. Uh, trademark John Gilmore on that one. It seems like even a slow news cycle, there are things happening at a rapid pace. Even the NFL news <laughs> it's like, hey, Internet, what are we outraged about today? Sure. Waking up and and seeing, obviously, Nike and endorsing Colin Kaepernick, and it comes out that they've been paying him this whole time. It,
0: get, it gets weird. Y- yeah, it, it is definitely... A very 2018 thing, I think that somebody cutting the logos off of their clothes that they already bought in support of veterans because they don't like a guy who kneeled for the flag is just as absurd as it gets. Uh, in modern history.
2: Oh, you're going to get some phone calls on that one.
0: 651-989-5855. Stan, you better uh, build that dump button.
2: <laughs> I'll be ready, boy. You're keeping me up past my bedtime, by the way, so this better be good.
0: Well, we appreciate you coming in because we couldn't do it without you. Oh, I'm sure you could.
2: Brent, Looks why like you've you about eight hours of programming planned, so I think you'd be just fine. Yeah,
0: maybe.
1: Eight hours. I, w- I was not aware of that. I will have to be in bed uh, before that eight hours is up. Brad, why do you hate America? It sounds like uh, you won't burn your Nike equipment. So uh, that means that uh, you stand with communists.
0: Uh, certainly not. Um, part of the reason is I'm just not uh, wealthy enough to buy a lot of Nike stuff. Um, and second is I'm kind of ambivalent about the whole Colin Kaepernick issue. <laughs> well, I just,
1: You're right. I, it is. We are living in a time of of outrage both on the left and on the right. I look at the news screen here, and we're covering a lot of topics today. We're having Doug Wardlow on at 9.30. I'm interested because one of the topics we are going to cover is these these Kavanaugh hearings, which yeah. have been happening today. Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh, and it, it appears that uh, the Democrats are not tired of thrashing about and throwing <laughs> throwing every insult in the book at Republicans and conservatives and and it looks like they're protesting this year hearing as as strongly as they have for
0: for any other uh, Trump nominee. Yeah, it, I mean, this is from the Star Tribune or Associated Press. From the moment uh, Chuck Grassley raised the gavel to call the committee to order one by one Democrats, inclu- including Kamala Harris of California, Curry Booker of New Jersey and Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, all potential presidential contenders, hmm, that explains a lot, demanded that Republicans delay the hearing. And, I mean, we don't have audio or video of it, but um, it, it was pretty much against all parliamentary procedure that they started protesting. Uh, the, I, in my history of studying the Senate or watching what they do, like this is not something that you see. This is in line with... Whoever that guy was that shouted, you lie, at President Obama during one of the speeches, it was, ve- it was very out of order, but not unexpected in 2018. Yeah, you know, it was
1: watching those hearings, and you can tell each one of those names that you mentioned, especially Cory Booker, there is no one, I believe, in the Senate more contrived as a human being than Cory Booker. Listening to him give some of his testimony, it is so apparent. Every breath that man takes and then exhales and then speaks, everything he does is a posture for a twenty twenty run Oh absolutely. it is' so apparent, but then beyond that, you have just ridiculous outrage over a couple of really menial things that happened in that hearing, one of them being this uh Zena Bash, who was Kavanaugh's assistant, apparently. Listen, this woman was resting her hand or scratching her leg or something along those lines or maybe doing it purposefully. She was making this OK sign, you know, where you you take your during the hearing. Yeah, during the hearing. Okay. And it was resting on her leg. And and Twitter exploded saying that this woman was flashing a uh, white power symbol. And that you even had people going is so far. You had a couple of journalists throwing it out there. This Amy Siskind, who she's a contributor in a number of different places. She tweeted, and these are her words. What the hell is this? Kavanaugh's assistant, Zina Bash, giving the white power sign right behind him during the hearing.
0: This alone should be disqualifying. Just (laughs) I talked about peak absurdity with the Colin Kaepernick thing. We might have we might have topped that already. We're seriously, we're getting there. If we're not there already, uh, life at the speed of Trump is just absurd right now. Maybe she was just playing. I remember if you, you you do like the OK symbol with your hands, that would either. I remember in college, like that would either be permission to like, haha. You looked at the circle, you get yeah, to kick them. Now you get a punch, and yeah, or kick them or punch them, or um, it was something along the lines of. Kind of saying, "Oh, I lost the game." You right. can just look at the circle. So maybe she was just trolling everyone in in that aspect. She could have been, but uh, Twitter Twitter certainly blew up over it, as it
1: as it tends to do. We talked about that off air. Twitter is a uh, is a cesspool that
0: I I can't get enough of. It's oddly enough, <laughs> it's like some people watch The Bachelor, some people watch HGTV. You know, really trash television, but. I think my trash TV is Twitter and the constant stream of randomness that it can be. I mean, you can go in literally any direction at any time on Twitter, right. and that's what we love about it. Us millennials here on closing argument. Uh, my name is Brad Omland. and oh, go ahead, Stan.
2: Well, I was just going to say, isn't that doesn't that make it less uh, uh, important? Or pay like myself? I see something online, I pay a lot less attention to it than if I read it in the newspaper or from a credible source. It's because you're old. Well, that's probably that's what I was going to ask. I mean, do you, do you youngsters, do you really uh, take that with a grain of salt, or do you take it as uh, gospel, so to speak, stuff you read online? Because the more and more stuff I see online as an old man, the less and less I believe.
0: Well, you have to have good news sense, and I, I feel like I do. I, I know what is a joke or what I would say like, what, that doesn't sound quite right. But that's because, as a young person, I have used computers since I was four years old. I have, you know, we've lived a majority of our life online now. And so, you know, just having a degree in political science and journalism, I feel like I have that discernment in my head, and I I trust myself, at least, if something gets me riled up or I'm saying that really doesn't sound right, Google's right there.
2: Yeah, and I would trust you on that, but I I think there's a lot of people out there that, do just see it and oh they're sure. not informed like yourself and they go on and ranting it to their friends or they share it at coffee with their friends or the next morning and I think a lot of stuff gets blown out of proportion in that oh a- in that aspect
0: absolutely there is no as much as the truth is accessible nowadays there is very little regard for it in that you can just take a feeling and run with it because the internet allows that type of instant gratification.
1: Well, and it's, it's confirmation bias and, Mm -hmm. and Stan, really, you might not be online. There are a lot of boomers online. There are a lot of other people online who just, who share memes, who share stories, who share false headlines because it just reaffirms whatever they think is the truth, you know? And I, I'm the first one to say, I think millennials are incredibly vapid. They do not, uh, they do not do their own research for the most part, we're incredibly inarticulate on issues and on, in policy specifically in governmental procedure because, to Brad's point, we've grown up with the Internet. We've grown up with things at our disposal, even if at our disposal meant at one point in time we had to wait for two and a half minutes for a website to load on on dial-up Internet. This has always been at our disposal, and we've become stupider because of it. Uh, listen, look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Right? Here we So she's this rock star of the Democrat Party, and she gets a lot of air. She gets a lot of play on this radio station. A lot of people talk to her. You and Walter talk about her a lot. Um, When she's challenged on issues, when she's challenged on just about anything in terms of policy or controversial statements she made, I I specifically think back to the statement that she made about Israel occupying Palestine, and she could not defend what she actually meant by that. This is us, man. Well this is I you can be you Brad can be as informed as you are and I Max humbly speaking I like to try to stay relatively informed and not post untrue memes just true memes but for the most part we're all pretty dumb in the era of the internet
0: right now in 2018 Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez though has democratic privilege when she speaks of course like an idiot because The way she spoke about Israel and Palestine was the same way that Gary Johnson spoke about Aleppo. He didn't know what he was doing. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has not been... I mean, she's been laughed at by everyone on the right and everyone who's not a socialist Democrat. But for the large part, she still maintains legitimacy because she is a Democrat. Mm -hmm. Like People like Gary Johnson were not afforded that same opportunity when they slipped up on Middle East policy, which I guarantee... Nobody was talking about before before they mentioned it. I mean, Israel and Palestine is an ongoing issue, but Aleppo at, at the time was nobody was talking. Oh about. come on, yeah,
1: and I think you're exactly right. the The situation with Alexandria Ocasio Cortez too with it's just a demonstration, like I say, about how little we actually know or need to know in the era of politics in 2018. Now, I'm assuming our listeners saw the Kavanaugh hearing six five one nine eight nine five eight five five. We'd like to hear your take on it because it, it was a crap fest. I mean, for a Senate hearing, it was it
0: it was really a disgraceful day i think for our nation well and speaking of democratic privilege i think that the article that came out today from the star tribune about amy klobuchar was really insightful in terms of the the things that we wish for but then realize are bad ideas uh it says here senator amy klobuchar who sits on the judiciary committee said sunday that she regrets that her party eliminated the filibuster for approving most judicial nominees The Judiciary Committee grilled Brett Kavanaugh uh, this week. If Democrats regain the majority next year, she said she would support bringing it back. Right. I'm sure she would. But again, it, it goes to the point of the procedure in the Senate is there for a reason. And the policies that you support using against other people will eventually be used against you. But you said, Max, that Democrats didn't like that she said that. No,
1: it blew up in her face on Twitter as soon as that story came out. The in mass people across the internet leftists, these far leftists came after Amy Klobuchar and basically was like don't you dare change this. We don't want to we don't want to fight fair because the Republicans don't fight fair. It's a it's a war to these people. It is. It really is. There is no consistency. There is nothing principled about what they did. And case study in this, right? Harry Reid, and it gets retweeted every so often, he tweeted in 2013, he was like, hey, thank you all for supporting my filibuster reform. It was hard, but it had to be done. Okay, Harry Reid, what you need to understand is: as soon as you set that precedent, that it only takes 51 votes to do just about anything in terms of a confirmation hearing. When you set that precedent, that precedent will come back to bite you. Political pendul pendulums shift. America has proven that over over the course of its its existence is political winds shift. So, so what I always get worried about is with the era of Trump and the era, era of political discourse is after he's not no one can replicate Donald Trump and after he's not the president anymore what is What does our world look like? What does our conversation look like? Because to your point, Amy Klobuchar said a very fair thing. Hey, we probably shouldn't have done this. Okay, I don't know how genuine that is. I don't know how genuine Amy Klobuchar is, to be quite frank. Not very? But yeah, because I don't believe her. You know, if they get the reins of power, I don't believe that she'll want to reform anything. But what she said was a very fair statement. We probably shouldn't have done this. And then she gets attacked from people on the left because the people on the left are like, no, we need to do everything in our power to reverse Trump's Supreme Court decisions and combat Trump and blah, 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 blah. It's it's really, it's funny how much of a, a cold war I think
0: we're sitting in right now. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about perhaps why Brett Kavanaugh should be concerning to conservatives and libertarians on the other side of the break. If you'd like to chime in tonight, Our phone number is 651-989-5855. My name is Brad Omeland. He's Max Reimer. We are filling in for Walter Hudson tonight here on Closing Argument on Twin Cities News Talk. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. My name is Brad Omland. I am joined by my guest co-host, Max Reimer. Hello. We are filling in for Walter Hudson tonight. We've got Stan Poggle producing on the board. Coming up here at 9.30, just about 10 minutes, we will have Attorney General Candidate Doug Wardlow join us on the phone. We've been talking a lot tonight about the law and the Supreme, and the Supreme Court, specifically Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings. Uh, Max Reimer is here with us tonight. From the Kip and Max Save the World podcast, Uh, where can you catch that? Kipandmax.com is
1: where you can listen to that, and we usually do a weekly show. Uh, Kip and I have both been wrapped up in a lot of campaign work these days lately. Him and CD7, he's doing a lot of work out there, but we'll get back on track. We produce a lot of good content. We have a lot of good interviews. So, Kipandmax.com is where you can listen.
0: Well, and speaking of Kip and Max, we are joined now by Kip Christensen himself. Kip, how are you doing tonight?
3: I'm great, gentlemen. How are you guys? Awesome show.
0: Thank you, Kip. You sound
3: very chipper. Oh, I'm I'm always chipper, Kipper. <laughs> um, I'm, <laughs> I'm out in D.C. today, actually listening to you guys on the iHeart Radio app. Um, well done, gentlemen. I can say that this town is uh, losing its marbles, um, as you saw in the Kavanaugh hearing today, and I've just been going around town and. There's, there's a lot of chatter. It's kind of crazy right what now.
1: Are you, uh, what are you up to in D.C.? So, so f- for our audience, Kip is helping with the CD7, uh, Dave Hughes campaign for Congress. And, Kip, I'm interested what you're doing out there right now in such a time as this.
3: Well, we're out, we're out for a very brief run through the town, um, meeting with a lot of really cool, influential people and friends I know from college. And uh, we'll be over talking with some folks at the White House tomorrow um about about how we can help out the president's agenda here in Minnesota um and working on working on money and cash and we're going real well on that front um but that's that's why we're out here and I'm not back uh, recording a podcast with you right now <laughs> telling everybody about how how Minnesota's falling apart I'm here in the belly of the beast watching uh watching the craziness that is DC
1: what do you make of it what do you make oh, of these hearings I, I mean you're out there in the town right now Brad and I talked a little bit earlier, and then off air too. It we're just reaching this point of of no return, it seems, in terms of political discourse. I mean, I thought it was shameful. I thought the entire hearing was shameful.
3: Right. It's 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 a political circus. I was actually over at the Supreme Court building in some downtime uh, with with my candidate with Dave Dave Hughes out in C D seven, and uh, there's signs plastered all around uh, by the left that say Planned Parenthood is. More uh, is more popular than Brett Kavanaugh and things of this nature. And there were folks lined up in front of the Supreme Court with duct tape over their mouths. Like, some, this is some sort of injustice of democracy. Okay, let's, let's talk about the Democrat Party that flipped these rules that allowed for Trump to have some of the most successful judicial nominations process that has ever occurred. That is all because of the rules that you yourself, Amy... Amy Klobuchar voted for in the first place when Harry Reid wanted to screw it to the to the Republicans. Like this is this is all on your fault. You can say you can say all day long that you would flip that thing back and switch it back, and oh, you would love to see it fixed. I'm sure you would love to see it fixed as you're watching your political power in the courts completely slip away. We are on the verge of flipping the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals.
1: Think about that. Is that.
3: Unheard of.
1: Think about that, is, that. We
3: have we have already flipped two circuits to conservative justices, majority. We are on the verge of flipping the ninth in short order, and that is all because of their greed and lack of care for the process that was instituted in D.C. You want to write the rules, we'll play by them.
0: Yeah, it's uh, crazy times. We appreciate your call, Kip. Uh,
3: yep, you guys have a great day. Keep it going. Yes. Brad, M- max you guys are killing it.
0: Thanks, keep, keep it up. Stay Bye. sane out there in D.C.
3: Yeah, thanks. <laughs>
0: All right, still taking your calls. You can chime in here at 651-989-5855. After we go to break here, we'll be joined by Doug Wardlow, Attorney General candidate here in Minnesota. But for now, let's go to Jeff, who wants to talk about the Supreme Court. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
4: Uh, Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I was waking up this morning, my wife had turned the TV on, and I was still drowsy, and I was listening to all the goings-on, and I heard... Grassley talking and, and Cory Booker, and I heard the female protesters. And I started laughing because I thought, oh, my wife is so sweet, she turned on a Saturday Night Live rerun.
1: I was listening,
4: <laughs> I was listening to a skit. And, and I, was, I was kind of chuckling because I thought it was funny. And then when I finally became fully awake and I looked and I go, oh, this is the judiciary hearings. This is real. So then I went from amusement to, like, it was just utter uh, disgust because yes. it's like civil people don't like act like that to each other no you, know, you can we can have our disagreements but this was was beyond that
1: reality uh, reality is stranger than fiction sometimes especially especially today is you as you heard it on the TV or as you you were watching it on the TV did you see did you see or hear anything specifically that that made you think this is an SNL skit
4: um well I was listening to, to Cory Booker, and I don't remember the actor's name on Saturday Night Live, but he sounded just like him. But I do remember that it was when Booker was talking about this was uh, against moral values and against transparency and everything else. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I remember what the Democrats were saying when when they were trying to get Merrick Garland through Obama's nomination. And it's like every one of them has, has flipped positions. Right. And and it was, but like I said, as I was coming to and listening to it, it was like, this is the greatest Saturday Night Live skit I'd ever heard, at least in many, many years since Belushi was on there. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to say this, it was unbelievable. So unbelievable. It was funny if you were listening to it, not watching it, and didn't know what it was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You you are right. We're kind of just playing uh, Mad Libs at this point. We appreciate your call, Jeff. Uh we got to go to break because in about 5 minutes we will be talking to Attorney General candidate Doug Wardlow. Your call's still welcome. We'll get to that after we talk to Doug. 651-989-5855. Brad and Max filling in for Walter Hudson tonight on closing argument on Twin Cities News Talk. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM online at TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. My name is Brad Omeland. I am joined tonight by my guest co-host, Max Reimer. We are filling in tonight on Closing Argument with Walter Hudson. Walter is busy uh, with his city council meeting. We are pleased to be joined now by Minnesota Republican Attorney General candidate here in Minnesota, uh, Doug Wardlow. Welcome to the show, Doug.
5: Oh, great to be on.
0: How was your Labor Day weekend? Where'd the campaign take you?
5: Oh, it was fantastic. did the Labor Day parade up in Cloquet, and it was a great parade, and lots of enthusiastic folks up there. I think people are really ready for an attorney general who will take the politics out of the office and, you know, put Minnesota first.
0: Yeah, politics in the office has certainly been the theme lately, especially when it comes to people involved in making the law. What do you make of the uh, Kavanaugh hearings in the Supreme Court?
5: Really a circus. It's really too bad that the Democrats have decided to, uh, you know, Obstruct and try to delay, and they know they don't have the uh, votes to to stop the uh, confirmation of, of Judge Kavanaugh to be the next Supreme Court justice. Uh, so they're just trying to, um, you know, do some things to to raise money and and, and just cause problems. And it's, it's it's really too bad uh, because it's 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 undignified.
0: Yeah, certainly uh, all about that election. Of course, you will be on the ballot this November as well. A recent story from NPR News described that both you and Ellison have ratcheted up your campaigns. Can you tell us what's driving that notion?
5: Well, yes, definitely. You know, I think that um, Keith Ellison, I think he is under some pressure. I think that uh, he realizes that Minnesotans are starting to understand that he is just too extreme for this state. Uh, Keith Ellison has a a record that's very troubling and we've been pointing out the facts about Keith Ellison to folks all over Minnesota and I think he's starting to feel that pressure and I'm also spending quite a bit of time talking about what I want to do with the Attorney General's office and it's very simple take the politics out of that office and we're gonna start doing the job of prosecuting welfare fraud rebuilding the criminal law division keeping people safe and making Minnesota a fair place to do business
1: so Doug to that notion Max Reimer here The reminding people, I think, of who Keith Ellison is is just (laughs) it's probably the most critical part of the, the campaign message right now. You know, part of his ratcheted up attacks on you are your background and previous employers that you have had. Uh, specifically, he's gone after you for being anti-LGBTQIAXXZY349, and I'm just wondering, how, do you, how are you combating that, those attacks with Minnesotans? Understanding, you know, in 2012 we had the Marriage Amendment, people seem to be relatively sensitive to those types of issues. How are you combating that attack, if at all?
5: Well, it's, it's, it's easy to combat because the allegations are simply not true. I mean, I, I am not anti-LGBT uh, whatsoever, and I'm proud of the work that I did with Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, fighting for free thought and free speech and, and free religion. And those are, are values that uh, the vast majority of Americans agree with and support, and they're enshrined in the First Amendment of our Constitution.
0: Uh, you had mentioned recently that Keith Ellison let his law license lapse. Can you explain why this is potentially important?
5: Well, see, so Keith Ellison uh, didn't have a law, license, an active law license in Minnesota for at least six years, and uh, that just demonstrates that he's not a serious attorney. You know, when you're not practicing law and you're not keeping up on your continuing legal, legal education credits, uh, it, it demonstrates that you're not serious about being an attorney. He is, is more of a, a political hack and, and, and politician than he is an attorney, and I think the people of Minnesota deserve a serious attorney uh, to be their attorney general. It's a, it's a difficult job, and it's a job that requires – uh, you know, proficiency in, in the technical skills of lawyering, and Keith Ellison just doesn't have that. The fact that he let his law license go on unauthorized, uh, uh, go on um, voluntary suspended status for six years demonstrates that.
0: Uh, I would say that. This seems like there's something larger at play in the DFL, don't you think? Like That is to say, if Keith Ellison wasn't the deputy chair of the DNC, it's more likely the party would have denounced him, but they continued to support him, so what gives?
5: Yeah, there could be something to that. I mean, the the fact of the matter is that Keith Ellison is the deputy chair of the DNC, and I think that... Um it ties into his, his vision for the Attorney General's office, which is a very troubling one, and he's expressly said that he wants to be the Attorney General so he can lead the resistance against President Trump. He wants to uh you know, bring lawsuit after lawsuit against the President and obstruct and and uh try to defeat Trump's agenda through the courts and he wants to fundamentally change the way that Minnesota works and change policy in this state through the Attorney General's office, through the courts, that's completely inappropriate. And regardless of what anyone might think of President Trump, I happen to support President Trump, but regardless of what anyone thinks about President Trump, uh, I think that uh, Minnesotans agree that we shouldn't have an Attorney General that's going to use the office for political purposes. And I think that Keith Ellison wants to... uh, use the office for political purposes, and lead the charge, basically you know, lead other Democrat attorneys general, as they basically gang up against the president and try to change policy through the courts and obstruct his agenda. And that's really an abuse, that would be an abuse of the power of the office and of taxpayer dollars as well.
1: And to that end, that specifically with Keith Ellison not just only being the chair of the Democrat Party deputy chair, but also the fact that we haven't had this seat, Doug, as you know, in decades. There has been years and years and years of Democrat control in this seat to the point where we don't really – and this is for the audience, too – we don't really know what has been stored up in that office, what skeletons are in the closet, what's actually been happening. The only time that Lori Swanson would stick her neck out for anything was to actually oppose Donald Trump. Doug, I'm really curious, on day one, what do you even look for when you get elected in November? Because I have a feeling that Yeah, and quite frankly, I'm praying that you do get elected, but if you get elected, you are going to have a mess on your hands. What are the first things you look for once you win that seat?
5: Well, there are a number of things that we do um, once we win and and win the support of uh, the Minnesota electorate here in, in November. And, you know, you you said that you're right. We haven't had the office in Republican hands for 48 years. And and whenever an office this powerful is in the hands of one party for so long, you expect things to become a little bit corrupt. And I'm sure that that has happened. So we're going to need to do a thorough overview of the office and make sure that resources are properly allocated. We're going to have to put an end to some of the political things that have been going on in the office. We know that Lori Swanson has been uh, using folks in the office to do political work on state time and uh, if allegations are true, even at the office. And that's really terrible. But some of the first things that I'm going to do is we're going to return uh, the office to doing the job of being Minnesota's lawyer. And that means uh, you know, keeping Minnesota fair and, and keeping Minnesota safe. So we're going to rebuild the criminal law division of the office, make sure that our county attorneys have the resources that they need to, to obtain convictions and, and keep our community safe. We're going to actually prosecute welfare fraud. There's a significant amount of welfare fraud in this state. And uh, it's going on. Prosecute the attorney general is the only statewide official that actually has the authority to prosecute welfare fraud. Lori Swanson has not been doing that. Keith Ellison will not do that. So those are a couple of the things that that we'll start with uh when we get in there. But it's going to be a, it's, it, it, there will be a, a great amount of work that we'll have to do to get things straightened out just because it's been in the hands of one party for so long.
1: Now, we just had this outside group, Republican Attorney General Association, uh, commit to the state of Minnesota. Now, we don't know how much money they're coming in or how what kind of white horses they're bringing in with them, Doug, but, but what does an endorsement like that from a group like that uh, mean to your campaign? Did, did you did you look at it as, as kind of a shot in the arm or, or something positive that they took notice of your campaign and the situation of Keith Ellison and, and are looking to Minnesota now as a winnable state?
5: Yeah, I think it's, it's a very positive development. Uh, I'm very happy that they're coming in, and it looks like they'll 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 be supportive. We don't know what they're going to do, of course, uh, and uh, but we do know that they set up some kind of entity in Minnesota, I think, and uh, it looks like they're preparing to do some things, um, and and, that, and that's very positive. I think their support will be very useful. Um, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens, but I think it indicates that uh, you know even nationally, people are realizing that Minnesota. Uh, is a state that is very much in play uh, for a lot of different races here. And uh, it's, a, it's a place where Republicans can go on the offense and where uh, we can score some significant victories, including the Office of the Attorney General. And that would really be an historic victory. It will be an historic victory in November when we um, take back the Attorney General's office for the first time in nearly half a century. And I think that uh, lots of folks are looking forward to that. And we're going to we're gonna be able to put our state back on the path to liberty and prosperity and get things straightened out.
0: Uh, it's hard to see a election or excuse me a result in which say for example jeff johnson wins the governorship and keith ellison wins the attorney general or for example you win the attorney general and tim walls wins the governor's job but hypothetically speaking if you were to be working under a democratic governor how do you think that would shape the attitudes and work of your office
5: well i'm very um very optimistic that I'll be working with uh, Governor Jeff Johnson, and we're you know, running as a team. And we're um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I, I'm I'm confident that's going to happen. I think that people are ready for the kind of change that Jeff Johnson is going to bring to Minnesota, and the kind of change that I'm going to bring to the Attorney General's Office is uh, back to the Attorney General's Office as well. And you know, and that is. Uh, we're going to actually start putting Minnesota first. We're going to change the status quo, and, and we're going to get back to doing the job of just making sure this is the best state in the country to live in, and raise a family and really build a uh, a state where you have um, opportunity to, to build a life of meaning. And that's what this, this race is really all about for the governor and for me. Now, I think it would be really unfortunate, uh, you know, if, if – I had to work with Governor Walls, but, but it wouldn't really change anything in terms of what the attorney general needs to do because the attorney general's office, it, it's not an office that is political. It's an office that is not partisan in that you have a Republican or a Democrat elected to the office. But um, the job itself it shouldn't be political. It's it's all about enforcing the rule of law. It's all about standing up for the rule of law, enforcing the laws, standing up for our state's constitution, and being a good lawyer, For the state and for the people of Minnesota, none of that is political. It's problematic that Keith Ellison wants to inject politics in the office, you know, and basically take the politicized office that Lori Swanson has created and Mike Hatch before her, and really take that to the next level and just make it an overtly overtly a political office that's dedicated to waging war against uh, President Trump, against Republicans, and and trying to circumvent legislative processes and change policy through the courts. That would really be unfortunate. Minnesotans don't want that. They're going to reject that. I'm also confident that uh, they're going to reject the extremism of, of, of Tim Walls as well. And we're going to have a fantastic team, uh, Jeff Johnson and myself, in uh, November.
0: We are joined tonight by Republican Attorney General candidate here in Minnesota, Doug Wardlow. Do you have any events coming up or ways that listeners can connect with your campaign? Oh,
5: there'll be a number of events coming up. They can find out about future events. That, um, on the Facebook page, which is Doug Wardlow for AG. And uh, you can also check out the website, which is DougWardlowAG.com, and, and, and look for information on coming events there. We'll be having a lot of uh, a lot of things coming up, and I'm excited to campaign, continue campaigning across the state for the next two months and, and win the support of uh, Minnesotans.
0: It's been a pleasure to have you on tonight, Attorney General Candidate Doug Wardlow. we got to go to break, but my name is Brad Omland. I'm joined tonight by my guest co-host, Max Reimer. We are filling in... For Walter Hudson, here on Closing Argument on Twin Cities News Talk and 103.5 FM. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. My name is Brad Omeland, joined tonight by my guest co-host, Max Reimer. Filling in for Walter Hudson here on closing argument. We were just joined by Attorney General candidate Doug Wardlow. Pleasure to have him on. And uh it's during, a solid candidate. Yeah, certainly can be it's it's good to just hear from on both Republican and Democrat side a a candidate who just talks like a somebody that you would expect a politician would talk
1: like. You know, it's tough with these constitutional races and there's all of them are up for re-election. You can't go at it as a legislator because Doug, more than anyone, understands that in the office of an attorney general, you have very a very limited scope. Sure. When you have Keith Ellison going out there and making promises about how he's going to oppose Trump and he's going to battle climate change and this, that, and the other thing from the attorney general seat – it's like all right man
0: you fundamentally you fundamentally don't understand what this is about yeah anyone who runs for office and has somewhat of a restrained view as in saying hey i'm just going to do what the constitution and the office and the law tells me to do right and that that is at least refreshing to hear um and, you know i'm not a, i wouldn't call myself a republican uh but don't worry i'm not a democrat either for all you listeners out there why do you hate uh, america Brad? I, I i do not i i serve our country but uh I certainly love, love being here, but uh, it's it's again, it's nice, even if I may not agree with uh, everyone all the time, it is at least nice to hear someone running for office say, you know, I'm not going to do a whole lot. Um, I'm just going to do what the office tells me. Uh, your reaction, welcome here, 651-989-5855. We go to Chris, who wants to talk about Keith Ellison. Welcome to the program, Chris.
6: Yeah, hey, how's
0: it going? I'm good, how about you?
6: All right, I'm not a I'm not a either party guy either, but I had a real problem. I called into to the Jamar guy show.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: I don't know if Mommy say his show or whatever, but called in there and he he changed his subject, went on to something else, blah blah blah, and then went to a break. Said, "Oh, we're going to put you on the break." went on a hold. So then he came back, did that again. He never answered my question, and then he was off the week after. So I waited a week later, called again. And asked him why he lied to me. There was a, uh, the day, the first day I called, there was a DFL convention thing where they did some secret ballot, and they endorsed Keith Ellison.
1: That's right.
6: After all these things. That did happen. Help. Yes. And he said, oh, no, that was days before that. So I called him back last weekend, and asked him why he lied to me. And then he he's like, oh, don't call me a liar. I said, oh, yeah, you're a liar. Hmm. And he's like, what did I lie about? And he like, changed the subject again. And then part of my call wasn't even on the radio. He admitted it or admitted it. And then, oh, thanks for your call. Click.
0: Huh. Well, we uh, we will let it's, Jamar speak for himself. I guess I'm not going to put words in his mouth. We certainly uh, we 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 like Jamar as a friend of the show, uh, but I, but I'm not going to speak for yeah. him. Yeah, and and I, I like will...
6: him too. But but the hypocrisy is amazing. Well,
0: what do you what did you think about that? Because
1: so here is what happened: Keith Ellison was endorsed by the democrats after after he obviously won the primary they needed to reaffirm his position within the dfl organization and they cast their vote and this was after all the abuse allegations and things of that nature and they all cast their vote via uh blind ballot i'm interested what is your take what do you think of that
6: i uh, i think i think it's both it's like why is it secret and, and i i i I don't know. I'm voting for Doug. I know he didn't ever kick his woman's ass. Wow. All right. But it's like, you know, you know what I mean?
0: He's a good guy. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to his point, though, it is, he he says, I don't know why they did a secret ballot, but you know why. It's so they don't have to be accountable for it. And they even, like, you were talking in the break that Keith Ellison. May not be that popular in, for example, CD eight, where they're still very blue collar, uh, moderate Democrats. Yeah, and mainly union Democrats. Yeah, yep. And I think that that notion is that they took a secret ballot is speaking to that the fact that they might like their representative as a person who is a Democrat, but to to know someone in their district who voted for Keith Ellison, that's what might be where they draw the line in terms of, I can't support you because you support Keith Ellison. Of course, and it's,
1: again, politics in 2018 where there is hypocrisy all over the place, pox on your house, pox on my house, but these are the new rules that we play by. If women are to be believed before any kind of evidence in terms of actual physical proof comes out and it becomes a war of he said, she said, Keith Ellison is denying it. Uh, his accuser is doubling down on it in some cases. But this is why, when you create rules like this for political discourse, you have no choice but to either play by those rules or hide from them. And it's why Keith Ellison was tucked... His poster was tucked in the way of the armpit of their booth at the State Fair, too. They're all hiding from him. That he, that he didn't have, you know, have stuff up at the State Fair? Just in the, his, his one sign that he had was tucked in the corner of their booth, not even
0: visible to the main, main main public. I think that says all you need to know about how the Democrats really feel about Keith Ellison. He he is not a person that they want to be associated with, but they know that he has a good chance to win and uh, retain what they want to do here in the state of Minnesota. Closing argument, my name is Brad Omland, joined by guest co-host Max Reimer here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM, and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.